Welcome to Business Beyond Borders, the go-to podcast for CPA firms seeking transformative insights. I'm your host, Lawrence Whittam, and with each episode, we'll uncover key insights, best practices, and invaluable resources tailored for CPAs. From trending strategies to diving deep into outsourcing and offshoring, our experts will help in all areas of your business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. And today I have special guest David Kells with me to give a bit of insight and as a resource to CPA firms in the industry. So, and I won't do butcher any introductions. I like to have the, the guests do the introduction so I don't butcher that. David, would you like to sort of kick it off and give us a, a little bit about your background and who you are? Yeah, thanks, Lawrence. Uh, Dave Kells, my background is uh, basically operational in nature, started out uh, in financial services uh, with international banks, some client-facing loan work, and then uh, back office loan operations, migrated over to professional services over uh, 25 years ago. Um, and had roles of uh, chief operating officer for various firms and basically with a focus on helping firms to grow through operational efficiency and uh, metrics and all sorts of anything related to operations. So it's been a good run so far. So what brought you to now as well? Like obviously you've been been in the COO role, you've been very, uh, again, We'll say with a reasonably demanding firm, obviously a firm with a lot of changes over the years, right? Um, and some of the pioneers of what's happening now in the industry. So what has sort of brought you from that to what you're doing today? So, you know, early on in the uh, accounting world, you heard the words succession planning and uh, operational efficiency, paperless offices. I mean, those terms have been kind of thrown around. We're really seeing it now. All of this has picked up speed tremendously. Uh, industry consolidation uh, is really kind of the answer to succession planning in in some regards, in most regards. So what I'm doing is helping various clients navigate what that means. Uh, and there's many options out there for accounting professionals. Managing partners want to know, you know, what are the options? And as the stewards of their firms or or sole practitioners, they want a roadmap uh, to take them to the next level. So can you share, like, maybe? Some of these bigger projects, like a significant project that you've sort of worked on over the years, and obviously there's been a number of them, but a lot of them aren't just sort of one and done, and it's a quick, quick transition, right? You, the company had grown quite tremendously, like over the years. So obviously that change takes quite a period of time. So can you tell us one of those bigger projects that maybe firms are going to come up with in that mid-size area as they're developing into the larger sector, like? What are they going to have some trouble doing and what is one of those bigger projects they've got to sort of watch out for? Yeah, well, it all comes down to setting the stage for the future. And in order to do that, uh, you'd really need the basics as far as practice management. So that's a practice management system. That's your tax software. That's your A&A software. So big projects I've been involved in are totally revamping the, the technological infrastructure of, of these firms. Ground up scrapping practice management software, putting in best of breed so that can handle scale growth, but also being able to be nimble 
right? When you're doing transactions, if you're if you're a firm that's looking to do a couple transactions as far as bringing in uh, firms, you need to be able to do it quickly. You need to be able to ingest that data into your platform and then be able to utilize that data. So you need, you know, technology is the play right now. Firms that don't have technology as their foundation are, are struggling and they're the ones that need it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a again all the talk with Gen AI and and again technology in general, right? It's just developing so quickly and has developed a lot quicker over the past couple of years, especially when it relates to the accounting and and tax industry, really. Um, so it's very very important to relook at everything again now because there's just so many improvements. So. Now, what are you? What are your core areas then that you're looking at? So obviously, you've, you sort of just touched on that technological side. You've got a lot of experience, like doing a full revamp, um, essentially with some of these firms. And I'm assuming you don't just help from the advisory perspective. You can help with certain implementation sides of things as well, and really somewhat get a bit of your hands dirty to to really get in there and help. Um, but what are those core areas? Yeah, I mean. Exactly right. Get your hands dirty. I mean, I've done it personally for 25 years. So you, when I come into a to a small to mid-sized firm, we sit down and talk about how they're structured currently. So I'll take a look at uh, from an operational efficiency standpoint, how are they handling the fundamentals, right? In an accounting profession, you're selling time. You know, are you accounting for your time properly? That's both billable time and non-billable time. There's plenty of information that can be derived from how professional you are utilizing their non-billable time. Then you come into bill for your time and collect for your time. So you come in and you make sure that uh, your DSO numbers are down. Somebody's minding the store. Your bills are getting out on time. Those are the fundamentals. You take care of those fundamentals. People can focus on client service and growing the business. Uh, other areas that I focus on, we mentioned M&A. Uh, there's a whole host of things that go on with that from pre-deal, you know, doing the deal and post-deal. Uh, so you need a solid playbook, but you also need to make sure you deal with all of the uh, intricacies prior to doing any of those deals. And then, you know, a key topic now is, uh, you know, offshoring as a way to help retain talent. I look at it as an insurance policy to make sure that you can handle your client workload while not burning out your staff and not needing to spend huge recruiting dollars, uh, but more focus on retaining the staff that you have. Yeah. And then, so let's go like so, somewhat one at a time. So let's say the M&A side of things. Um, and obviously there's a lot of, lot of transactions going on in the industry, a lot of new capital coming in as well, new types of buyers coming in because of law changes over the recent years as to who could own the CPA firm, right? So I guess first off, what are the what are the key challenges that a lot of these firms are facing right now? And maybe some of the some of those solutions that you can help with as well along with those challenges. Well, firms firms are that that are looking to do a deal have challenges either in, you know, human resources. They don't have the talent. I've heard time and time again from managing partners and 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 regular line partners that they're turning work away. Uh, they're they're don't want to risk their current book of business by focusing on potentially new business because they don't have the people to do the work. So that's where an offshoring uh, scenario comes in. But I will tell you that these firms are being challenged with they don't have their their own house in order. You've got to take a, a first look at your own house to make sure you're ready for uh, an upstream merger or one of these strategic investment partners to come in. If you don't have your uh, firm metrics in order, solid KPIs, solid structure, 
top to bottom from your service lines down to internal operations. It's going to be a challenge uh, when these strategic investment partners come in and want to know really how your uh, operations are running. Yeah, and I say I, I say the same thing on the offshoring side. I'm sure you do as well. I mean, it's the KPIs, and and a lot of the times it's problems internally that cause a lot of the disruption. It's just either firms aren't ready for it, or they're not structured in the right way to make it work, right? And it goes in a lot of cases, right? But it's especially in like a, a merger and acquisition. At the end of the day, you're bringing completely new culture to the firm. Essentially, you're trying to gel those cultures. You don't want there to be tech problems as well, like in because that's just going to cause even more frustration between the two, right? Yeah, and when you utilize any kind of offshore solution, you know it comes down to metrics, right? You want to have the systems available to analyze that data, you know, and bill your clients properly. So, so what's actually happening in the M and A space specifically? So, I, I know it from an outside perspective. Like, I see, I see what's happening. I talk to people helping in that area. But tell us like really what's happening and what you see now and maybe what some of those future trends are in the M&A side of things that we're going to see. Well, what I'll just say, the one word is pace. Uh, So the pace of M&A deals in the accounting space is uh, just at a frenzy. And what I'm also seeing is large investment groups, private equity, et cetera, these type of strategic investment partners are coming further and further downstream. And this is just logical, as as a lot of the top tier firms uh, make their deals, they're coming further and further downstream. And I I will say that there's no size firm off the table. You could have a a sole proprietor doing a million dollar book. There may be a need for an investment partner uh, in a geography, uh, a specialty. So don't count yourself out of the game because you think you're too small. Uh, And the trend is only going to uh, accelerate in that regard, in my opinion, as more and more entrants into this industry come on board. Now, and and just to put, like, again, you mentioned pace, right? So just to put it into perspective, from my understanding, like, really wealth management and private equity only could really get involved in the, the buying of firms anyway, and the acquisition stages really in the past, is it three years or so? So like how, how quickly is it developed? And like you said, they're already moving downstream, right? So so that's happened in a very short period of time because transactions take a while to close as well, right? So that's that's the another amazing part. The the model, depending now, this depending on the size of the deal, um, but we're seeing deals go from LOI to closing in a very short period of time. You've got these uh, investment partners, like you just said, wealth management firms some private equity firms that are turning deals around in three months. And it's amazing. So they've got the structure, they've done the transactions, and and they're ingesting firms into their platforms very fast. Wow. So can you provide maybe like, let's say, staying on the M&A side of it for right now, like what advice or maybe strategies would you put in place with some of these firms that you're sort of talking to in comparison to other people, right, as well? Like, what's 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 the reason why somebody should come to you rather than somebody else in the industry? Well, number one, you know, hands-on. I'm not, a, I'm not a consultant that has not done it. I'm a consultant that has done it, number one. Number two, Whitman Transition Advisors and, and our team with C-Suite Certified and C-Suite Impact are just a, a an ecosystem team of professionals where it's one phone call to me, but I've got a bench of uh, expertise across many different areas. So uh, firms come to me, 
we can make it happen quicker than you know anybody else. I think we're a nationwide focus. Uh, the Whitman name has been out there for years. Uh, it's proven, uh, and the accounting industry uh, regularly recognizes Phil Whitman as a as a top player in the uh, in the consulting space. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And then let's uh, so let's jump over to like the tech and the operation side. We'll sort of tag those two together to some extent because I think it plays in well together. Um, so, so from the expertise that you've had over the years in that side and obviously the hands-on experience of like transitioning the firm through that whole process and scrapping some and building out new ones completely with a larger team. Like what are some of those areas that firms should be very specifically looking at? And what's the, what's the first step into that process? So the first step is really map uh, your data sources and your data integration. So listen, firms have legacy systems. Change is difficult. Firms don't want to scrap a practice management system or a tax software. And the problem underlying all this, that systems don't talk to each other traditionally. So either you have to have a really solid internal team of developers with open source systems that allow, you know, APIs to have your own people do the integrations, or you've got to go outside and get brand new kind of best in breed software that's fully integrated already and takes away some of that headache. But the key is to understand what you do have, what doesn't talk to each other, you know, and what's causing you a headache there. Once you identify those areas, you can start coming up with a game plan to fix it. So it's it's interesting you touch on, because I always like it when somebody talks about non-accountants inside a firm. Right? So, um, and again, the develop, developer side of things. So, so typically for like a smaller or mid-sized firm, should they be looking at the approach of maybe bringing on a developer to even just help internally anyway, right right now, just to, again, widen their depth as to what they can really do internally? Or should they be looking at scrapping and going to a more in-depth solution, right? What, what do you think is that better approach? And again, it may vary from firm to firm as well, right? An appetite of what they can really do and change they can really make. But what, what would you say for a small or mid-sized firm? What would probably be the better option? Well, I think the starting point is a commitment to having a a sizable line item budget for for technology. So let's just start there. Now, what does that mean? To answer your question, yeah, I mean the, the quickest way is to get an outside tech person that understands databases, database management, integrations, reporting to really pull together all of your key systems within the firm, or at least identify, as I said before, identify where the holes are, identify the problems that are going to be insurmountable, meaning you've got a legacy system that just doesn't play well with other systems. And that's going to be the first thing that's got to be upgraded. Uh, but yeah, that's a great first step. Um, but then, like I said before, it's a commitment, right? It's an annual commitment because technology uh, innovation is just so rapid right now. And if you get a key and a core system, right, with open source that you can do some internal stuff with uh, and do some add-ons, uh, that that will set you up for the future. And again, looking forward a little bit, so like in terms of what's happening now in the industry, like, and I've seen it as well, like firms really are taking on new resources in different areas from the tech side of things. They are implementing certain software. There's a lot of hesitancy, I would say, with smaller and mid-sized firms due to lack of understanding, right, around like 
what AI can really do and how can we really utilize this within the firm, right, without compromising sort of data security or anything like that. I guess, I guess, what are you seeing in the market right now as to are they making smaller steps? Are they, are they actually making steps forward now? Um, what do you see? Yeah, so you know KPIs and uh, AI. I mean, these were these are buzzwords that have been around for years. But to your point, you need to embrace it and get over the uncertainty of what what do those buzzwords mean? There's there's AI built into now into almost everything. It's it's there. You don't really know about it, but you got to utilize it. So in that regard. Um, you know, process automation. There's tax software out there where you know you're scanning in client data and it's populating tax returns. If you're not utilizing that, you're just wasting time. Uh, so you've got to embrace some of the stuff that's already out there. Now, leading leading you know large firms are going to be on the cutting edge of what's new, but these tech companies are coming again downstream with their products for the mid tier and and smaller firms now as you know again rapidly as the days go by this software uh and this technology is becoming more and more available so now what can can you give us some some metrics or some uh, somewhat of the metric side of it in terms of like what efficiencies did you really see um when you were implementing like certain pieces of technology internally like is it so that so that firms can know what to look out for as well like how long does it take to realize some of those gains essentially from implementing this well you'll see the gains immediately if we're, if we're talking about tax processing you'll see the gains immediately uh from a um tax prep you know the hours involved in tax prep when you start utilizing some of this technology and what that does is takes those headcount that staff right if you got if you want to retain the good staff you're going to train them on higher level work right keeps them more embedded in your firm hope hopefully keeps them uh, more engaged with, uh, you know, better mindful work than mundane uh, robotic type processes. Yeah. So it's a it's a recruiting tool, but it's also an efficiency tool. You can do the same amount of work in in way less time, uh, and that's just a a margin booster, right? Internally to your bottom line. So maybe like, what is one area that somebody listening can go and do quite? And I, I, I use the term easy lightly, right? But what is the what is the first step that can be taken for a lot of these firms to really dip their toe in the water quite lightly, but really see some see some benefit from it so that they can also share it internally in terms of with other partners and say, guys, this is working, right? And and get that investment. Because again, there's generally in multi-partner firms, it's difficult to get everybody's buy-in to it, right? Until yeah. they've seen it. Well, listen, you know, I talk to managing partners a lot and it's it, it's going to come from the top, but nine times out of 10, the software that they, these firms currently have do have functionality that they're not using. So that's number one, identify all of the functionality that your, your current systems are using. And then number two, can you integrate with other systems? Because as we all know, paper manual processes are a thing of the past if you if you want to be any type of firm for the future you've got to put all of that aside rely on the technology get over the hurdle of do i trust it can i get buy-in of all my partners etc so it's really an assessment and i think right off the bat you're going to see that embedded within stuff you already are paying for is functionality that you're not using yeah 
And then what about, so let's go to the outsourcing and offshoring aspect to it, right? So obviously a lot of, uh, and, and that also ties into the operational aspect as well, right? So this is, like you said, it's a key topic that everybody's been talking about for the, especially the last couple of years now. And if, if they're not even outsourcing or offshoring, they could be using virtual staff a lot more, right? And team members globally and or nationwide at least, right? So what do you see in this industry right now as to the embodiment of doing that, right? In terms of the acceptance around it in comparison to, let's say, four, five, six years ago, right? Because I know, for example, your prior company, Citrin, I mean, they've been in and exploring it for probably eight to 10 years or so, right? Easily by now, right? I mean, the big four have been doing it for 30 years, 40 years or so now. Like, so, but a lot of the smaller firms and mid-sized firms, they've maybe only done it for a year or two solidly, right? Mm. And, but what are you seeing in that industry from your perspective coming into it now? Well, it's, it's funny. COVID has opened everybody's eyes to the fact that a staff person doesn't need to be sitting in the cubicle next to you or the you know down the hall. So that's one thing. That's allowed more tax professionals, more accounting professionals to understand that we're basically outsourcing work. You're outsourcing to an employee that happens to be sitting in you know the Midwest or whatever the case may be. But to your point, firms have been utilizing offshoring for for years, and it's a it's a major bottom line margin tool uh, for firms that embrace it properly. So it doesn't matter if somebody's sitting in another country, if you've got the internal systems, the proper security controls in place, it's just another extension of your firm. Now, you're the expert on this. There's many flavors of that. And the way that these firms need to uh, embrace this is to try some of the different flavors of it. Uh, and if if you're growing to, uh, to an extent that uh, demands it, build your own operation internally. I mean, that's my experience uh, doing that. But we also had experience contracting out to a third party uh, for onshore and offshore, you know, per return uh, type contracts. So that's one way to get involved. And again, I'll use the word, it's an insurance policy, right? To make sure you don't burn out your current staff, but also to make sure you've got enough bandwidth to handle your client load. Yeah. And, and it's good. It's good having you here because you were, you were hands-on in that relationship, right? You were actually doing it for for a firm right during that time so so i guess what is and i'm sure it was all hunky-dory the whole time you've got you've probably had no stresses no like it was no stress kit that came from it whatsoever and it went perfectly but but what are some of those like main challenges that maybe firms are going to definitely see right and they need to again maybe shift mindset a little bit towards and again i i say it in the sense of these are people we're dealing with, right? Whether they say, whether they're a third party, whether you're building your own, at the end of the day, you're now dealing with people with quite a different culture than what we've dealt with. And it's not a bad thing, but it's that you have to be op- a bit more open-minded to, there are going to be changes and way, different ways we have to manage them and different ways we have to grow. What, what did you see and actually like physically deal with internally? Well, we dealt with the gamut of issues. Uh uh, data security, you know, everybody said, well, is, is the client da- uh, client's data secure? I mean, you've got to overcome that hurdle. Uh, it's very easily done if you've got the right team in place. Uh, partner, partner buy-in. You know, my clients will never want somebody working in uh, a foreign country to uh, to deal with that. You have an open and honest conversation. You've got engagement letters that cover that. 
And then it's, you've got, we built the operation internally. So you've got to treat that operation as just another office, just another department. They're part of the team. Once you get over that, it comes down to just like any other challenge, even with your own firm. Do I have the right person doing the right job? Is the person, no matter where they're sitting, technologically advanced enough to handle this type of client work. So that's just due diligence on the hiring process. You know, do we have the right people? Do they have the right skill set? Um, and once that happens, buy-in starts to take place. And then once it does, there's benefits. There's many benefits that come out of it, right? Financially to the firm is a, is a huge benefit, but you know, the time difference can be used to your advantage. You send somebody some work today, when you come back in from a U.S perspective you come back into work tomorrow you know the work you asked to be done yesterday is already done it's on your desk ready to go so plenty of advantages most of it's buy-in and whatever somebody whatever pushback that we received along the way was overcome and it was overcome because we did it the right way now so how did you how did you guys start right from that perspective because you you guys again you've you said you've tested it out a little bit right you tested the water with some third parties, and then you went on your own to build it, essentially, right? So I talk quite a lot about the investment side of it, especially with mid-sized and larger firms, right? In terms of there are different ways that you can invest and start. But a lot of firms I see making, don't put that initial investment into, let's say, getting a, a vice president or getting an operation lead over there or getting somebody on more of a C-level executive side that can really help you and advise you how to grow it out. But what was your first step? Was it more that you had a few team members and you sort of built out around that? And when you got to 20, 30 people, then you got a C-level exec or you had a partner internally? What, what was that? What was your situation? Yeah, we put we put in place what's a what's an, uh, called like an office managing partner because we called it just another office and just happened to be sitting in India. But, you know, before that, you've got to do your homework. You've got to invest in um, legal assistance to set up the right entities in India. There's plenty of law that you have to get past and structure, right? The entities the proper way. So once you get all that done, yeah, we put in place, you know, a senior uh, type person, managing partner of, of that office. And they were in charge like any other office we had on the U.S. side, right? They're in charge with, uh, they're in charge of everything. It's their operation. Uh, we've got internal resources on the U.S. side, you know, to backstop and help with all of that, but they've got to do everything from recruiting, HR, you know, performance reviews, managing scheduling, uh, and see what uh, you know the, the KPIs on turnover of the work product, right? And the, and the um, you know how how good the work product is handling the feedback, uh, just like any other office. So I think we we invested in that office to answer your question, just like we would have invested in any office on the U.S. side. Yeah, and then one of the challenges that I see a lot is with getting work over to them, right? In terms of like, if it's a, if it's a mid-sized firm, multiple partners there, getting enough work to then scale, right? And to really like make sure that partners are pushing enough over as well. Um, so what, how, how did you guys overcome that challenge essentially as well? Like, did you have goals that you were set up and, and like, guys, this office has to push this much work over this year or, or what was the, what was the way that you guys handled that challenge? So. We started with billable hour targets for uh, business lines, geographical offices, business units, et cetera. And then you got you to gotta measure and then you got to hold people accountable. Uh, so we were open and transparent in our reporting. Uh, we had monthly reports that showed, you know, 
the work that was going to India. Uh, and we did have honest feedback about what was the quality of that work product coming back. Uh, and if it needed tweaking, we made sure it, it, it did. We also had uh, a major training program as well. It goes back to your other question on investment. You got to make sure, you know, your offshore staff are trained just like you would train anybody else. And then we did an, an exchange program. We had some staff from the India operation come to the U.S. side and vice versa. And this just helped to solidify the culture and the communication. And once you overcome those things, like I said before, it just becomes another extension of your current U.S.-based operation. I guess, where do you see the future going with this? And you can sort of round it off with a bit of everything that you've covered, right? In terms of, obviously, there's a lot of things happening. It's a fast-moving industry right now in terms of like the different areas coming in, the M&A. We've got operations and technology changes happening rapidly. We've got the offshoring and outsourcing, which is which is new to a lot of people. So I guess in culmination, right, how does a firm sit and structure like what do they tackle first, right? Is it a combination of all of it and you put budgets aside for each one? Is it, guys, this year or this quarter, we're just focusing on this, right? Let's implement one thing here and then next and then we start streamlining it. Like, what is the advice that you would give some of these firms to give? Well, listen, you know, tax professionals deal with uh, with government imposed deadlines. So you've got to wrap yourself around a tax deadline and say, listen, we're going to we're going to pump how many returns uh, over or X number of billable hours. Uh, per area, because the first, I guess the first headache that everybody talks about is, hey, the, this busy season was the worst one I've ever seen. Okay, how can we make that better? You know, our staff were overworked; they're screaming. Uh, so all of that gets packaged into a bundle. So, okay, here's our plan: we're going to take X number of that work, X billable hours, X number of returns for your particular, you know, office, and we're gonna. That's going to help you. Then we're going to measure that. Where are we? successful, right? You're not just going to let it lay fallow. How can we approve it for the next deadline? How can we approve it uh, going forward? But also, any type, it's not just tax work, any type of work, right, can be run from an offshore operation. So what I see the future is more and more of these types of, uh, of jobs, this type of work being done offshore to help supplement the U.S. operation, not take away U.S. jobs. But also, it's really not isolated to the accounting industry. Every company out there has got kind of an internal accounting department, a back office, if you will. Those types of jobs, those types of work can be done elsewhere and let your internal folks focus on other things, right? Running the business, educating your staff, elevating the work that they do, retaining them. So, I mean, it's a benefit on both sides. Yeah, especially within the industry itself. Like, I mean, you've got developers you can implement, right? If, you, if you've if you got a certain, not as large of a tech budget, right, to actually like look into, okay, you can go to these countries as well. You can get a, um, an implementer internally who's like a lead or a liaison in the firm. And then you can really get a lot of your development team offshore, right, as well, which which spans that up and opens it up you've got the virtual admin side of things again you again we all know there's a lot of just information going back and forth a lot of chasing clients right you can have admin that again communicates perfectly right i mean we've all had the bad experience of a bank's back office and you call them and but it doesn't have to be like that right? no. there's a lot of places you can go to that they're, they're doing it on the masses right you can really 
pick the cream of the litter, essentially, and to say, okay, yeah, this person sounds and, and is perfect, right, from the communication aspect. You're never going to know they're offshore in some cases, right? Yeah, and then and then to go back on the U.S. side, you need a quarterback of all of that, right? Yeah. You, need, you need a point person in your firm that's managing this process. You know, the masses internally left to their own devices, human nature is human nature. If you've got somebody driving the initiative, measuring the initiative, answering the feedback and improving the, the process, that's your uh, recipe for success. Yeah, and you keep measuring and you keep mentioning measuring, right? And again, that's the important fa- an important factor because otherwise yeah. every set tax seasons come up every year at the end of the day and, and they stretch obviously now more and more, but but firms do get busy and they get in their own head and it's always stressful and but you sort of get used to it as you're going on, right? So even if there have been great improvements, unless you've measured it. You're never going to really see that because there'll be new stresses in your life and there'll be things going on, right? So so it's very important for that measuring aspect. Yeah. And listen, these these types of uh, functions are, you know, some mostly commodity-based. If you can put that kind of aside and allow more time to really be uh, that trusted advisor to your client, you know, talking about mid-sized firms and, and, and smaller, if you could focus more time on dealing with your client needs and helping them grow and not worry about this type of stuff, I mean, that's only going to benefit your business. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, David. I mean, that's very, very helpful to everybody. I mean, I guess closing, closing remarks in some, in some sense. So like what, what's the best place for people to reach you? How can they reach you the best? Yeah. So I'm with the Whitman Transition Advisors. Catch me on LinkedIn on the Whitman site. Uh, my email address, contact information is there. We're available anytime. Have a conversation and, uh, you know, do an assessment of of where you are and where you want to go. I mean, that's half the battle. And then what is that final thought that you should want to leave everybody with, right? Especially you cover a few of these areas, but what's that final thing that just the question that firms should ask themselves now, whether it's in the next managing partner roundtable or whether it's in the next meeting internally, what should they be saying to themselves and asking themselves and then figuring to reach out to? Yeah. I mean, ask you've got to really ask yourself, what are the challenges that I know are in my firm that I just don't have the time to get to? Those, if you were to make a list of those, there's going to be a couple that bubble to the top that are just paramount to taking your firm to the next few to the next level. And if that's what you come to, uh, Whitman and and C-suite Impact are your go-to for finding answers for you. We've got a team of professionals. We'll sit down and map out a strategy for you. Perfect. No, thanks, David. All right. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, again, reach out to David if you have any questions regarding any of those areas, whether it's the M&A, whether it's the outsourcing and offshoring, the technology side of it, and, and most importantly, like the overall operations, right? The implementation within that, it takes a lot more to just know about it, but you've got to put a plan in place and a roadmap to implement. So David can definitely help with those aspects. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you for tuning in to Business Beyond Borders. I'm Lawrence Whittam, and it's been a pleasure bringing you impactful insights tailored for the modern CPA firm. Remember, the world of accounting is vast and ever-evolving, and we're here to navigate it together. For more resources and episodes, don't forget to subscribe and reach out to our experts. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries of your business and explore the limitless possibilities beyond borders.